The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show today Finbar Russ, a returning guest. And Finbar and I are going to be together, going together to the south of France over the fall equinox in September. And we wanted to provide you, our listeners, with the opportunity of getting some insights about the significance of those sacred sites in southern France and this connection to the Mary Magdalene energies which seem to be becoming so prominent today. So, Finbar, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Peter. I'm absolutely delighted to be back on. Well, it would be great if uh, you could give our listeners a little bit of insight into how you got involved in this aspect of your work in the first place. Um, well... I was at Sancta Sophia Seminary, and I was chief executive there for four years and Light of Christ Community Church. And then I was going off on a new adventure. I was doing divine feminine emotional healing work and workshops. And then some people said to me, Finbar, you should be doing sacred sites tours. And I had done, uh, organized several sacred sites tours when I was at the seminary. And I thought, yeah, that would be pretty neat to do. And so I started off in doing Ireland, England, and Scotland uh, the first year in 2002. And then in 2003, I added France and uh, did India and Sri Lanka. And then in 2005, I added Turkey. And then 2007, I added Egypt. Uh, 2000 and, and um, then I added uh, Peru and this year for 12, 12, 12, we were last year, we were in uh, Peru for 11, 11, 11. Uh, the year before we were in Egypt for 10, 10, 10. And this year we're in Guatemala for 12, 12, 12. Uh, yeah, all very significant dates with all very special energies and all to places where I was guided by spirit that I should uh, take these uh, tours to. And, and how, does that, uh, how does that information come to you when you say guided by spirit? How do you get that insight? Uh, I get it usually in meditation or I will be driving along and I will, the, the voice will and 
said to me, I think it's time you did so-and-so, or it is a time for you to look at doing a tour here. It's like um, I have been asked um, next March on spring equinox uh, to take a group to Iona in Scotland. Oh, wow, that would be fantastic um, Yeah, I'm going to be in Iona for five days doing a 10-day trip in Scotland at that time. It will be a little chilly, but it will be very (laughs) nice. But it is a very significant time because it's the, uh, what I call the phase two of the ascension process because we'll have finished the first 25 years from um, harmonic convergence to spring or to um, winter solstice this year. And then... From winter solstice, the energy will start building again, and there is a major alignment of energy and a kickstart of phase two of the in, of the ascension process, with 13 steps, with the one in Iona being the first initiation, and then culminating at winter solstice uh, 2023 with the 13th step. And so that is my understanding of the process uh, that will be taking place from uh, the start of next year. We will be in phase two of the ascension process where the energies will be much more powerful, much more transformative, much more transparent. And as everybody has noticed this year, about every 45 days, we have a major energy change this year. Um, if you look at winter solstice and then around the 1st of February, then again starting on the 1st of, uh, well, we had um, spring equinox and then starting again around the 1st of May. But the 1st of May energy went on all the ways because it was incorporating uh, WESOC. And so we've had a, a pretty intense 10 days of energy for the past. We have. Uh, and, these are, and these are the old, what used to be called the, the cross quarter days, aren't they, that occur every 45 days or so? That's and right. These, yeah. these traditional days are now being used as these amplifying energy dates. That's right. And there is like the eight spokes of the wheel, which is infinity. And it's also manifestation. So we're, we're, and as we pay attention to these energies and more consciously aware of them, our life is transformed. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Now, you mentioned Absolutely. right at the very beginning about um, emotional healing through the divine feminine. Just just explain that to our listeners a little bit. Well, in 1990, I started having experiences with Mother Mary. And um, by um, 1992, uh, she had taught me a process uh, called divine feminine emotional healing. And that's where um, you go into the memory cells of the body and you network the body. And if a person, say, has a pain in their left shoulder, it is to do with blame. And you can go into that pain and you can uh, give it a symbol. The person can give it a symbol if they're visual and take that pain out and give it to Archangel Michael to take away and bring in golden white light and watch the memory cells rejuvenate and regenerate and if the person is not visual and they're not able to do that I can put my left hand on their shoulder and pull it out and as I pull out it can be either like um, a rubber band that I'm pulling out of them it can be um, 
hot or it can be cold. And as I pull out, I see usually what I'm pulling out and I can tell the person what they're letting go of. And um, usually as well as they're taking out the symbol because I ask them to give the pain in their shoulder a symbol and as they take it out, I can see it. And then I can also tell them if they have some more, if they've got to go back in again. And when I was asking Mother Mary, I said, what are memory cells? How do I know what a memory cell is? So she showed me a grapefruit, and she showed me all perfect um, perfect uh, grapefruit segments, and she said, this is the perfect body. And then one of the, uh, the grapefruit segments went like it was bad, and she said, now that's somebody that has pain. And then as you take the... Uh, the pain out, the symbol, what is creating the pain, that is creating the manifestation of the, the pain in the physical body as you go in and deal with that emotion and lift it out and then you bring in the golden white light and you just watch the grapefruit segment come back into perfect alignment again. And so that's how she explained the memory cells of the body to me. So how does that work then tie into going on one of these sacred pilgrimages? Well, people have all sorts of experiences because once a person starts packing their bag, well, really, I suppose, once they put down their deposit, (laughs) they are preparing for this pilgrimage, this journey. It is a sacred journey. And it's a sacred journey within themselves because when they get to, say, for example, uh, France, and then uh, we meet at the hotel and we drive to the grotto, of Mary Magdalene's grotto, and um, there they have the experience as they walk up to the grotto because each sacred site has its own matrix of energy. It has the ancient energy, and we're walking in with the energy of the now, and where we are in our body. So the ancient energy and the energy of the now is coming together, and it's awakening certain things within us. Each person will have their own experience because each person is at a different place in their life, and they have different issues. And So it opens up, especially if there are things in your life that you don't want to look at, uh, it kind of comes to the forefront, asking you to, are you going to look at this issue in your life? Are you going to deal with it? Um, And then people have their experience. Some people can have a, a very emotional experience, and this is where the Divine Feminine Emotional Healing comes in because I can talk them through certain processes or I can explain to them what is happening Uh, within themselves and just be a gentle guide and some people want to go very quiet so you leave them be because you know they're gone inside and doing some inner work and more people are you know all outside and they then they deal with their own issues and suddenly you know they might be just talking suddenly they're crying and they don't know why they're crying and so then we look at what exactly happened They've created that emotion within them. And so they might go to the next site and feel nothing and somebody else might have. So it's it's a different experience every day for everybody. 
And, I, and my sense is when, when I visit some of these sites, that I feel as if I'm retrieving some aspects of myself that's been lost or left there at some time in history. That is correct. And as well, it's awakening uh, different parts of your, um, your body. It's, it's awakening memories that you have maybe forgotten about or didn't weren't aware that you even had these memories. And it awakens you up to the ancient wisdom that's already within your psyche. So let's talk a little bit about France or southern France itself. I mean, we're, we're going to be going to Chartres and Paris, and perhaps we'll come to them later. But what is it specifically about this region of France, uh, the, the southeast corner, the Languedoc down to the coast? What is it about that place that's particularly significant? Well, it carries very much the energy of Mary Magdalene. It is very much a Mary Magdalene, a scene area. It also has the Qatars. Um, it is the Knights Templars were very active there. So it's it's a very special place. The people are even special in places like Saint Maurice de la Mar and all of that. Uh, the grotto it opens you up. For the first couple of days, you're totally in Mary, immersed in Mary Magdalene energy. And it opens you up to um, all of the teachings of Mary Magdalene. It opens you up to the sacred union within yourself, of the masculine and feminine within yourself. It asks you to honor both the masculine and the feminine within yourself. Uh, if some ladies have issue with men or men on the trip that have issues with ladies those are brought up for you to look at and ask you what part of yourself is feeling uncomfortable that you feel uncomfortable with the opposite sex and uh, or why you have these different feelings and so it's a very intense energy in the beginning because and, um, you know, it's a very, it will bring out the feminine aspects of both the male and the female. And as well, it will also ask the female to look and honor her masculine energy. Because her masculine energy is the energy that gives her the strength to move forward. And in our world right now, the female is the most important person uh, because they are the change agents. Uh, men are not going to be the change agents. It's the women are the change agents for the world. And so in this respect, then, in connecting with these energies, it's, 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 it's uh, striking a balance that we need to be in for these future times. That is correct, yeah. <clears throat> now, the, you, you mentioned the, the cave uh, at St. Bohm uh, as your introduction here. and We're going to go to our first break in a moment. But when we come back, I'd love you to give a little bit of a description of what it's like to be there and the, and the feeling of the energies that you experience when you're there yourself. Okay. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment. 
in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Please uh, do go to my website, www.petertung.com, where you will see my latest May newsletter with all sorts of information in there. Uh, as well as going to www.myheartcenterjourney.com. And we have an Ambassadors of Light class tomorrow evening at 5.30. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about some of the things Stimbar mentioned at the start of the show, the energies from the beginning of May right through to the solar eclipse uh, on May 20th, and some very other very interesting little bits and pieces, the WESAC full moon that I've been involved in over the last couple of weeks. It seems... So much happens that you need an actual update every couple of weeks to keep, to keep up with all the developments. I have with me today Finbar Russ, and Finbar and I are going together to the south of France over the fall equinox. And today Finbar is giving a little bit of a taste of that journey. So Finbar, let's go back to uh, the cave of St. Baum where Mary Magdalene uh, spent the later years in her life in that area. And just, just give us a little bit of a an insight into that journey, into the cave? Well, uh, it, first of all, uh, once we parked the bus, it's about um, a 30-minute walk um, to the cave. And we walk up this uh, gravel road, and it's a little steep at times, and, but, but about halfway up, there's a holy well, and we stop there, and we drink some water, and we sometimes do a little ritual there. And uh, but as we walk up, we talk about the the sacredness of the mountain, and the mountain is sacred to Isis, and uh, it has a huge aqueduct underneath the mountain, and for thousands of years, uh, people have been visiting this holy ground, uh, honoring Isis, and uh, um, then I believe that that is possibly one of the reasons that Mary Magdalene was so drawn to the area. And um, so it um, it is just an amazing place. And then when you finally get up to the, the grotto itself, the grotto itself is huge. The cave is huge. And um, it's uh, when you walk into it, it has an... Uh, an amazing energy, and over to the right, there is um, a stairs that you can go downstairs to another level, and down there, there are a couple of little energy vortexes, and there's one place where you can hear the water, 
of the sacred well. And then there's another area when you come back up that you can go over where there is a statue of Mary Magdalene. And to the left of that, there is another sacred water area. And that is, I believe, where Mary Magdalene did all her water initiations. And then, of course, the, there is an altar in the center of it. And there is um, a stairs that you can walk up to get a little bit behind the altar on the right-hand side. But the left-hand side of the altar is roped off. And uh, you're not supposed to go up there. The Dominicans are very strict about people not going up there. This is a special place reserved for the priests. And so, needless to say, I've had uh, a few little encounters with the priests there. (laughs) Uh, Because I take people up one at a time. I'm watching out. I'm very good at watching for the priests now. (laughs) And I take people up and I take them to a special place behind the altar where there is an amazing energy. It's an amazing vortex. And um, each person gets their little message from Mary Magdalene. So I'll have to be my cloak of invisibility when I come, uh, Finba. Yeah. Well, we will, you know, sort of, we will, we will do all of that, and it will be. Um, we just have to watch out for the priest. There's two ways they come, <laughs> so we just watch for them. And I tell people, if a priest comes in, if I don't come up to get you to come back down, you stay there and don't make a sound. <laughs> You've got to be as quiet as a church mouse. <laughs> So explain to our listeners uh, a little bit about the significance of the caves, the underground aqueducts, and the holy wells. Why are they so important? Well, the whole, in the ancient times, the, um, it's like going into the womb of the mother, and the rivers and streams were known as the veins of the mother. And so it's all connected, and it comes back as well to um, winter solstice when it is said that the mother goes deepest into the womb of the earth and rests there for three days and then starts her journey back out again. And so this is the this is a big significance is going back to the ancient energies, the ancient wisdom of the importance of going within. And this is what the cave is all about. It's like Mary Magdalene is taking you within. She's taking you within herself and she's giving you the water to deal with the emotional stuff, to let go of all of what you need to let go of. And, of course, we're now in the Aquarian age, which is the age of the water bearer. So we're letting go of everything we no longer need in the same way that uh, all the institutions and everything else that are longer serving us in our world are disappearing. So these waters have uh, some healing curative powers um, uh, to do with them as well. Yes. And then um, the, ne- the next stop is the Basilica of Max- uh, Maximin, which is where the crypt and relics of Mary Magdalene are. Uh, yes. Perhaps you could explain the significance of the relics. Well, the significance of the relics is when you go down, the relics open um, an energy within each person. When you come into the vibration of the of the energy of the relic, it um, opens, um, I suppose you could call it a portal within yourself, 
and it allows certain energies to flow and people feel different things happening in their body. And uh, I find that when I'm walking out of the crypt where the uh, skull of Mary Magdalene is, that as I'm walking back out, there is um, a statue of Mary Magdalene. And the energy that I feel every time that I approach that statue is just absolutely amazing. It's like your whole heart is opened up and you're getting this intense feeling of love. And um, then there is a, within the, the basilica itself, there are several paintings. There's a lot of symbology. In France, a lot of what you get in the churches is symbology. And you have to look at what the symbology means. There's a lot of stuff about Anna, the grandmother of Jesus. There's a lot of stuff about uh, Mary Magdalene, which a lot of people would say is Mother Mary. But it's not Mother Mary because you'll see the symbols that are missing to make it Mother Mary and the symbols that are there to make it Mary Magdalene. Uh, especially in what she's wearing in the X's, uh, there's vines and there's leaves and there's different things that explain a whole bunch of things. There's X's, uh, so there's a lot of different things that are symbolically there that you have to look for to get an understanding of what the painting or the statue or uh, whatever is in the cathedral to tell you what it is. And most of these cathedrals were built uh, by um, Templars, and so they have a lot of hidden meanings. So let's, now you mentioned them, let's talk about the Knights Templar for a minute. What is it that they were really up to, uh, Finbar? Uh, I believe that they were protecting um, the secrets of Mary Magdalene. Uh, and Jesus, I believe that they uh, brought out the ancient, uh, I believe they were protecting everything about the true work of what uh, the Christ consciousness and not what we were, and that's part of what they were doing, I think, with the Cathars, is that they had passed on the, the true teachings to the Cathars, and that... Um, there was, you know, sort of this a split from the very early age where you had Mary Magdalene and John and James and uh, Andrew um, going one way and you had Peter and some of, uh, you know, the others going the other way. And that's why there was so much, the Gospel of John was such a mystical gospel and that's why the Celtic Church and um, in Ireland, England, and Scotland was very much based on the Gospel of John. And you also had a lot of that in the south of France because you had the mysticism that came into it. And this was the teachings of following the teachings of Mary Magdalene. And so, so when the Templars believe, built these churches then, they basically encoded the truth in the churches and chapels for people who would eventually come along with a higher level of awareness or consciousness to actually understand what they, were, what they were saying or doing. That's it. That's what all the symbology is about in France. It's a way Fantastic, isn't it? Want... <laughs> so another piece I wanted to bring into the mix here because uh, one of the other spots that you go to on the journey is where the, the uh, El Camino begins on the journey to St. James in Compostela. And one of the pieces that I'm very familiar with 
in the work we're doing with the Landscape Zodiac is this connection to the celestial realms as you walk these pilgrim, pilgrimages and the fact that the El Camino is related to the path of the Milky Way galaxy so that as you walk the El Camino, you're actually walking the Milky Way or being the anchor, the bridge between the heavens and the earth. So all of these different sites that we are going to are connecting into the celestial realms as well. Yes, and we will be at some uh, churches where um, in um, Arles uh, where they start uh, the journey uh, of the El Camino. And um, so, um, and the churches, again, there's the Church of Mary Magdalene, and you will know the churches that they start from because the church will have the big shell outside. The big scallop shell. Yeah. So these are like the chakra points along the way, aren't they? The churches are like the chakra points as you go through this journey. It's as your own personal inner transformation. There's that connection with the land anchored in through those those, uh, churches along the way. Yes, and as well, the shell is supposed to be uh, connected with Isis. I don't know if you've heard that or not. But it's not specifically with ISIS, yeah. certainly, certainly with the journey, yeah. Yeah, a symbol so let's of go, uh, Let's go to Saint-Marie de la Mer, which is right down on the coast where the arrival of the Essenes, and you mentioned the Essene community earlier, so help our listeners understand how the Essenes ended up being in the south of France. Well, the Essenes um, were in, in many places. Um, I understand. I understand they were also in Croatia. And um, they were also a little bit in, in Spain. And um, the, my understanding is that the main settlement in France was at Mount Bougerac. And, um, but Mary Magdalene came ashore at, at St. Maurice de la Mar. And this is uh, an absolutely fantastic little town. And it, there is uh, the basilica in it. The basilica is built like a fortress. There are no windows. And um, there is a well inside in it. And in, you know, in the ancient times, uh, well was very important because the water, and usually um, there were seven streams that ran from the well. Um, and it definitely in the well inside in um, the Basilica at St. Maurice de la Mar, it is a very, very powerful well. And then downstairs in the, in the crypt, you have uh, St. Sarah. So you have to pass the well to go see St. Sarah. And you also have to pass um, Mary Salome and Mary Jacobi um, to go to see St. Sarah. And visiting St. Sarah is an amazing experience. And during the 24th and 25th of May each year, there is the St. Sarah Festival, which is also known as the Gypsy Festival. And on the 24th of um, May, they take uh, St. Sarah on a procession uh, all the way down to the, uh, the ocean. And there they give her a little blessing with the, the waters of the, of the sea and there are thousands of gypsies, like absolutely thousands of gypsies there. And so 
Uh, I have not ever walked behind the uh, Mary Magdalene on the way to uh, the ocean because I'm usually down there trying to get a good place to see what I can see. But on the way back, I have walked, and walking behind the statue of St. Sarah on the way back, it's just absolutely amazing the energy that you feel as you walk in this procession behind the statue. And then on the 25th, they take down Mary Salome and Mary Jacoby. They are taken down the following day. And so, again, I have not ever walked behind them on the way to the sea, but I have walked behind them on the way back. And again, you have an amazing experience as you walk behind them on the way back. And so is that, a, is that a path that we'll be walking on this journey when we're there? Yes, we can. We walk that, yeah. And actually, we go down to where they bring the statues down uh, in the procession, and we have a picnic lunch on the beach, and people can go in and swim. We have a little time for them to swim, do whatever it is they want to do, because we have a lot of time at St. Maurice de la Mar. So people like to go and paddle. Some people paddle. Some people go in and swim. And uh, more people just lie on the beach and absorb all of the energy. Finbar is sounding pretty exciting. <laughs> We're coming up to our second break. This is Peter Tongue for Awakening I, I, I will to Consciousness. I'm going to tell you a funny about, about it. And last year when I was there, I had two ladies from Canada who were absolutely shocked that there was no changing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> And so I had to tell them that in, in Europe, there are no changing rooms. <laughs> you, you wrap your towel around you and, you and get on with it. And yeah. after changing room. <laughs> so, Pimbo, we're coming up to our second break, so we'll take that now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just having a bit of a chuckle with that. Canadian ladies are just a little bit shy. That's okay. 
So, Finbar, for those people who want to connect to your work or uh, are interested in this particular tour, how can they how can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me on uh, my website is www.celticmysticaljourneys.com. That is Celtic Mystical, spelled with a C, CelticMysticalJourneys.com. And our uh, 800 number is 877-756-8763. And uh, they will get in touch there. And there's a lovely lady called Michelle who will answer the telephone to you. She is a Mayan goddess. That's what the name Michelle means. So the Mayan goddess will answer your um, questions. And if you need to get in touch with me directly, she will put you in touch with me directly. Or you can email me at finber at CelticMysticalJourneys.com. And uh, this evening, there is um, a teleconference call for anybody who is really interested uh, in going to France in the fall. So if people want to go on that call, can you give us the information for that? Uh, Yes. Um, I will get it for you in just a second. Let's get it for the after the next break. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, Carcassonne, uh, which is just a beautiful visual uh, eye-capturing scene when you first see the city of Carcassonne, isn't it? Oh, Carcassonne is just absolutely amazing. You think you're going into this medieval city, and uh, and um, it it's just. You look at it and all the walls and everything else that are around it, and you just go, "Wow, what an experience!" You know, it it is just absolutely amazing, and um, it just takes your breath away. And Carcassonne, of course, is an ancient uh, trading post uh, between the Celts and the Phoenicians. And it has a lot of Celtic energy to it. It also has um, a lot to do with... There's a a beautiful um, church there, and it's connected with uh, Mary Magdalene. There's a lot there about Anna and the teachings of Anna, teaching Mother Mary. Uh, There is... um, a lot to do with St. Rock, who was Mary Magdalene's faithful companion, and he died in Montpellier in prison. And um, he had a stigmata on his left leg, and um, it would bleed from time to time, and he said, all his paintings have always had him with a dog. And uh, he is supposed to have been Mary Magdalene's faithful companion, and, of course, not too far from um, Carcassonne is Minerve, which is, uh, again, a very, very famous place. It's uh, also associated with Mary Magdalene, and it's also where 150 um, Tatars were burned on the feast day of Mary Magdalene in 1210. And there you experience, as well, the Dove of Minerve, which is also the goddess Minerve, and um, then we stop on the way back at a little village. It's, a, it's an artist's village called Ing, and it has a beautiful little black Madonna in it, and we stop in there and see her. 
and we'll have a look. It's called a snail village. It goes around like a snail, and um, it's but it's full of it's full of artists, and um, so that's part of what we see. And in um, Carcassonne itself has has a very special energy. So another part of the trip is to go to Montségur, which is another one of the uh, Cathar seminaries. So just perhaps tell our listeners a little bit about the Cathars and, and what happened with them and, and why they were so significant. Well, the Cathars um, believed in uh, that you didn't have need that you didn't need a priest to be between you and God, that you had direct connection to God, and they very much believed in the. Um, the mystical teachings of the Christ consciousness and walking the way and not the um, the parts of um, the Christ consciousness that was hijacked by Christianity and brought um, to... Uh, they just cherry-picked what they felt were the things that they needed to have. Well, I suppose in a way it was control over people. And so it evolved. If you look at all of the different uh, things that happened over the years, even before the Roman Catholic Church, the Church was a totally different uh, thing before the Catholic Church, or before the Roman Catholic Church. And it was very much based on uh, a 28-day cycle, and it was very much like the Celtic Church. The Celtic Church was on a 28-day cycle as well, the same as the Mayans. And um, so uh, it was a pure teaching of how the oneness and goodness of all and how we all came together in oneness and how there was no separation between uh, the earthly father-mother and uh, the we were all part of the oneness. And that is well that if you hurt an animal, you were also hurting yourself. So we were all connected in one stream and uh, so uh, they did not uh, believe that the authority of the Pope or that they needed uh, a priest to be in between them and God and of course um, the Roman Catholic Church did not like this and uh, so they set about uh, eradicating uh, all of the Cathars and over about a 30-year period uh, they laid siege to led by a man called um, de Montfort and he uh, was there and one of the popes usually there was a cardinal or something with him and when they came to Béziers and they were going to uh, they laid siege to it and they had told all the uh, Roman Catholics that they should leave, and they said, no, we're not going to leave. To leave, these are very lovely people. They're our neighbors. They have do no wrong. They're good living people. And so Simon de Montfort said to the, uh, the cardinal, uh, what are we going to do? How will we know who are Catholics? And he said, it doesn't matter. Kill them all. God will know his own. And so uh, there was many massacres, and as well at Montsegur, uh, which was their seminary, um, when they finally decided they were going to surrender, they asked um, 
for three days to prepare themselves. But in that three days, um, two children, well, four children and two adults uh, kind of, I suppose one would call it, disappeared and that they went over the side of the hill. And I have no idea, looking at it today, how this was possible, how they lowered these four children and these two adults. And um, they're supposed to have carried with them uh, the Book of Love. And they're supposed to have taken it to um, the monastery at Montserrat. And that is the last known place, uh, the resting place of the Book of Love that anybody knows. And what, and what is in the Book of Love? The Book of Love is supposed to have been the Gospel of Jesus, the writing of Jesus. And it is supposed to have been his journal of uh, all his teachings. And some people call it a Gospel. Some people uh, just say that it's his, his teachings where he had written down all his teachings. Because uh, if you know, like, Jesus went through five different initiations, uh, five major initiations, as he um, prepared for his fifth initiation, he had four initiations and the crucifixion, and uh, would have been the fifth initiation. And each initiation finished with three days in the sarcophagus. And um, so uh, it begs the question: What did people? Act, did Jesus actually die on the cross? And um, there is a lot of belief that Jesus did not die on the cross because of the initiations that he had gone through from the initia- uh, from the uh, Essene initiations on, and um, he had finished the Essene initiation by the time he spoke in the temple. And then, if you notice, from the age of 12, he was gone. But he had already completed his Essene initiations at that time, and that had culminated with three days in the sarcophagus. And then the story is that uh, Joseph of Arimathea took him to England, to Glastonbury, where he spent the next five years between Ireland, England, and Scotland, and uh, Wales doing, going through the, um, the Druid initiations. And as you know, Joseph of Arimathea was a Druid and an Essene. And um, it is said that Jesus finished his uh, three days, uh, his Essene initiate or his um, Druid initiations with three days in the sarcophagus. And then Joseph of Arimathea is said to have taken him to uh, India, where he repeat, repeated the process. And then he's supposed to have come back to Alexandria, where he repeated the process again, and then came to um, to his teachings at the age of 30. And from 30 to 33, he had his teachings. And then, of course, he ended up with three days in the sarcophagus again. And but uh, when we go to uh, Renault Chateau. So I'm going to hold you there, Finbar, for a second because I'm just coming up to our final break and we'll come back to Ren La Shadow when we return. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.
The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Having a fascinating chat here with Finbar Ross about the sacred feminine energies of southern France. And Finbar, perhaps you could give us that phone-in number for the telecall that is on this evening. Okay, it is 805-399-1200, and the access code is 154271. That is 805-399-1200, access code 154271. And the time is 5 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Mansion, 7 o'clock Central, and 8 o'clock Eastern. That's correct. So you were about to launch into Rennes-le-Chateau when I cut you off just before the break, so take us there now. Okay. Um, In Rennes-le-Chateau, there is the landscape zodiac. There is um, the very, very famous church. And within the church, there are two things which point to that Jesus did not die. There is Jesus being moved to the tomb, and the moon is high in the sky. Now, in the Jewish tradition, if you were dead, you couldn't be moved after sunset. And then there is another one where there is a child and it has uh, its undergarments, its little nappy, is uh, a tartan. And the tartan is all about lineage. And the, and the, uh, that's the significance, the symbology of the tartan, is that it means lineage. So that is talking about one a day, the children of Jesus. And um, so that is at um, Rennes-le-Chateau. And there's a lot of other symbology there as well, but there are, there are two things that stand out in Rennes-le-Chateau uh, around uh, Jesus and about the fact that um, he did not die on the cross. And that because of his um, ability to go into deep trance um, from his experiences in the sarcophaguses, 
as he went through each initiation, that the, exactly the same thing happened when he was on the crucifix and um, on the cross, because um, you know they used to break the knees of whoever was on the cross to make sure they were dead. With Jesus, they didn't break his knees because Joseph of Arimathea um, worked with Pontius Pilate for that not to happen. And it is also said that, Joseph, that Pontius Pilate was Jesus' third cousin. And um, so there's a big family lineage there. And also Pontius Pilate was born in Scotland because his father was the administrator in Scotland. And if you go to Fortingall in Scotland, inside the little church in Fortingall, it says and the, uh, it is the birthplace of Pontius Pilate. And it also has the oldest yew tree in Europe there, which is over 5,000 years old. But... Um, so that takes one to the belief or to an understanding that maybe he did not die on the cross, and then it's each person's own belief system after that, where what they do with that. But um, you know, he was when the spear was stuck in his side and the blood hit the ground. That is the moment when everybody in the world, irrespective of what religion they're born into, was born with, with, from that moment on, was born with Christ consciousness. And it doesn't matter what religion one was born into, or if any religion, they still carry the energy of the Christ consciousness. And the Christ consciousness is about the sacred union of the masculine and the feminine within each one of us, and it is about walking our lives in a certain way. It has nothing to do with uh, uh, punishment and forgiveness and, you know, sort of all the different things that the churches tell us and the wrath of God. There is no wrath of God. We bring our own worlds to our own self uh, because we each have our own soul journey. And uh, um, so... So, Pimbo, just in terms of walking in a certain way, it's, it's a great segue to talking about, uh, briefly, we've only got a couple of minutes left, talking about Chartres Cathedral and the labyrinth there. Yes, uh, Chartres to me is uh, a book in stone. It is a, a, a very sacred temple. It does not have anywhere within it a crucifix uh, within the stonework. It is all about rebirth and rejuvenation. Walking the labyrinth, you walk that labyrinth three times, and you are in another world. By the time you have finished walking it, I suggest everybody that they walk it three times. There is a way you can walk the outside of the labyrinth as well, as well as walking the, within the labyrinth. There are two different ways of walking the labyrinth, and both of them bring you uh, an amazing energy. If you walk the outside of the labyrinth, you walk it from left to right, and then back around again, and your hips actually change. The vibration of your body changes. And it's the same as you walk into the labyrinth. You walk in, and you walk, and then you have the petals in the center. If you want to ground, if you're walking into the labyrinth, and you're working on something that you want to ground into the earth, you walk around the, the, uh, the petals clockwise, and finishing up in the center. If you want to lift something up into the heavens, you walk around counterclockwise in the petals. And uh, that is a quick 
uh, talk about the labyrinth. <laughs> and then we finish off in Paris and having and the opportunity to go to the Louvre and enjoy uh, the paintings and uh, yeah, all and further and symbology that's perfect. involved in this. Finbar, yeah, we've we actually also... come to the end of our time. I've really enjoyed uh, this condensed version of this uh, magnificent journey that we're going to be going on. So just remind our listeners of the website that they can go to. It's www.CelticMysticalJourneys.com. I've really appreciated your time with, uh, with me on the show today, and I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person and going on this sacred journey with you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, everybody. Have a blessed day. Bye. Thanks so much, Bimba. So CelticMysticalJourneys.com, or if you want to uh, really get involved in, in considering going on this trip, uh, 805-399-1200, access code 154-271 with the number sign at the end. We'll get you into uh, the group this evening, 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's going to be a wonderful, sacred, feminine journey. Next week, is my guest is Lorraine Cohen. and She's going to be talking about powerful living, living your life today fully empowered. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a magnificent week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.